You're listening to Well Said, where customer success leaders share their best advice on a single topic in around five minutes. Hey everyone, Chris here. We recently hosted a panel discussion on building a low-touch customer engagement model, and the discussion was so well-received by the audience, I felt we needed to break from our five-minute podcast tradition to share the full recording here on Well Said. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our panel discussion, which is designed for customer success leaders on the topic of maturing your low-touch engagement model. So last month, we published a blog post about this topic, and we interviewed about two dozen companies for the piece. And what we learned is while many companies are attempting to implement a low-touch and tech-touch model, very few companies have really nailed it. But today, we're lucky to welcome Brian, Selena, Boaz to discuss what we thought felt like were really exceptionally thoughtful approaches to tech touch and how they've matured their models over time through experimentation. This discussion is sponsored by Nuffsed and Insighted. I'm Chris Hicken, the CEO of Nuffsed. Our products put customers at the center of your departmental workflows. And, and for customer success, what that means is that we use AI to focus your team on the customers that matter and make it easy for them to take action. And we're also fortunate to partner with Insighted to host this event. Insighted is the only purpose-built customer success community platform. It's uh, one centralized platform for engagement while facilitating one-to-many communications. So very relevant uh, for what we're talking about as part of today's discussion. And with that, let's go ahead and start with introductions. So let's go ahead and meet our panelists. The question, I think uh, as part of the introduction, if you can, if each of you can cover you know, what your company does and give us a sense of scale. So how many customers do you serve? What types of industries do you serve? Number of customers, if that's appropriate. And uh, we'll go ahead and start off with you, Boaz. Cool, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining. This is um, quite interesting. I'm humbled to be with you know, Selena and Brian um, on, this, uh, on this panel. My name is Boaz. I run the customer success team at Talek. Talek is a provider of point of sale solutions, combination of software and hardware for SMBs in retail, restaurants and services. So our customers are, you know, the coffee shop around the corner, the fast food, you know, Indian, Chinese, whatever um, store, the, the woman who's passionate about shoes and has a 25 square feet, you know, hall in, in Main Street, right? Very, very small customers. We have a little bit north of um, 11,000 customers today. 75% of them are paying me, sorry, 85% of them are paying me less than $1,000 a year. So very, very small customers who pay us very little and therefore we have to find a very, um, you know, automation driven, scaled approach to servicing them. Uh, we are, as of a year and a half ago, part of a U.S. bank. So we are now part of a larger organization. So we are a startup within a large organization with a plan to expand the footprint of our services from just the point of sale to many other solutions that SMB needs, hence the value proposition to customers and what's interesting for us to, to do. Um, my team today, I've been at the company a little bit over a year, and my team today is just about 100 people strong. It includes all of the uh, post-sale functions from the moment the customer signs on the dotted line. So an onboarding team, a technical support organization, 24-7 technical support organization, a customer management team, 
a small knowledge team that develops uh, uh, the digital assets that we can use to drive um, automation and uh, self-service knowledge training, uh, and a small operations team that does project for us. Awesome. Thanks, Boaz. Um, okay, Selena, how about you? Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you, Chris, for inviting me to this panel discussion. It's a great pleasure to be here with Brian and Boas. Um, a little bit about myself, um, I'm in charge of the customer experience team at Talentsoft. Talentsoft is the European um, SaaS human capital management uh, platform um, that has been growing very, very fast. It's a scale up. And in the last 14 years, we have experienced like an average growth of 30% uh, with um, a turnover expected this year of more than 100 million euros, which means that today we serve more than 2,200 customers and 11, 11 million users of our platform. Now, um, our main goal is to help these organizations of any size, any industry, to really transform their talents with an open people at work platform. Um, we mainly uh, reach out to um, human resources teams. So our personas are the HRDs, they are the decision makers, in some organizations are CIOs. And then we also um, keep conversations with uh, HR experts, for example, uh, recruiters or learning experts, and as well HRIS professionals, which are more the influencers in the buyer journey. One element that it it's interesting for you to know is that today the customer experience team, um, it's part of the marketing team. Um, I've been in the company for five years now, and uh, um, we are a team of 10 professionals. Um, as of today, there is one person uh, dedicated to the tech touch approach, and I'm expanding the team. So I'm recruiting for a second headcount. So if there is anybody interested, reach out to me. I'm doing some publicity, sorry. <laughs> Um, but um, what you need to know is that really my main challenge in the last year to support Talentsoft has been to uh, scale proximity, uh, scale the customer relationship through this digitally led uh, approach to uh, impact the customer satisfaction, uh, to also uh, keep our customers longer. So basically retention and churn focus, but also to identify uh, growth opportunities uh, among our installed base. Yeah, very unique approach um, from your company's perspective, Selena. Thanks for joining us. Okay, um, Brian. Yeah, hey everybody. Uh, so first, I just want to say thank you to you know Chris and team uh, for putting this together. I, I you know really appreciate and love all the content that's being put out by both Insided and Nuffsed. So kudos to you guys. Um, yeah. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you guys are in the world. Uh, my name is Brian Lafile. Uh, I work at Google Cloud. And I, I came to Google via the Looker acquisition about 18 months ago. Um, if you're not familiar with Looker, we're a business intelligence and analytics platform. And so there was a lot of kind of uh, direct integration possibilities between Google Cloud's product portfolio and Looker. And so that's what prompted the acquisition. Um, my career, I've spent you know, entirely post-sales. So in my past life, I've run a support team, an account management team, uh, and then most recently was the first CS hire here at Looker and was fortunate enough to lead the CS team from a team of one, which is just myself, to about 50 CSMs globally spanning two primary customer segments. And so when I joined in 2014, we had about 40 paying customers representing about $2 million in ARR. If you fast forward to today, we have over 3,000 customers representing about $300 million 
um, in ARR. So super, you know, fast growth over the course of the last five to six years. ACVs range, you know, 50K up to north of, you know, multi-million dollar contracts annually. Uh, so definitely focused on the enterprise. Um, and, you know, a little bit about my role. So I lead CS programs and we made the decision about 18 months ago to split the customer success team between delivery, the customer facing CSMs, light touch or named and programs. And specifically what I focus on in programs is all around light touch, digital and scale for the SaaS division of Google Cloud. And Google Cloud has now four primary SaaS tools that we offer. Uh, Apogee, Chronicle, Looker, and Workspace. Uh, so yeah, I'm just really excited to share any of my lessons learned and the cuts and bruises I've gotten along the way in hopes that it helps someone out there. Well, yeah, and the fact that you're managing 90% of your customers via low touch is quite the accomplishment. So very interested to hear your perspective. Let's go ahead and kick off with the first question, which I think will kind of paint a picture of um, how you decided to jump into the low touch model. So the, the, the question, the first question is, what did your company look like when it decided to implement a digitally led experience? And uh, Selena, why don't you kick us off with that one? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's very important, um, this question, because uh, for me, there are three dimensions that we need to keep uh, into consideration. One is the company maturity. The second one is the organization. Uh, and the third one is also the technological ecosystem. So um, I'd like to share with you my experience because 12 months ago uh, at Talentsoft, we did decide to uh, move into a digital-led experience because we were at a stage where with the growth uh, that we experienced, as I said, uh, scale up with 30% average growth per year, we, um, we were facing a situation where we needed to make the customer success management uh, function more efficient more profitable, but also make our customer more satisfied and better support them. So we had to take a decision to either expand the customer success management function and recruit more people or to review our customer relationship strategy. And I think that you understand if I'm here today, it's because we, we look into uh, revamping our customer relationship strategy. So the other two, about the other two dimensions uh, that I was mentioning before in terms of the organization at Talentsoft, um, last year, uh, beginning of the year, we decided to um, build the customer experience team. And the customer experience team is based um, out of an audit that we did with our customers and also internally to better understand the customer pain points the key moments of truth throughout the customer journey. And we uh, realized or actually proved and it came out that the key differentiators for Talentsoft were people. So our customer really likes to work with us because of who we are and the partnership that we build with them. So basically the question that came after was, how can we scale <laughs> these people and partnership? So we came up with the proximity um, concept and the need of scaling proximity. So we build up the customer uh, experience vision that was based uh, out of the audit that we did with the customers, the, um, the, the corporate vision and our brand promise. And this proximity concept then was um, then bro broken down into the proximity at different um, segments for different segments at different level of the relationship with our customer. Communication, 
um, with the uh, product collaboration, for example, what does proximity means in the relationship. And so when we realize that proximity for a certain group of customers, uh, and for us, it meant customers with less products, customer with less complexity in terms of organization, because maybe they are customers just in one country and not a multinational company, or customer with um, less employees, it meant that they, they could go through a, a customer relationship that was digitally led. And that's how we started to look into our technological ecosystem and to look what do we need to deploy this function. And at Talentsoft, um, it's important to say that we have a marketing team that is um, that has been built around marketing automation. So we had a very powerful um, team in terms of knowledge, but also tool for marketing automation. We do have a sales operation team that is like old enough for our CRM tools. So basically we do have an ecosystem that covers the data with CRM, with analytics tools, um, with BI tools. We have tools for communication such as marketing automation, a community platform, or our survey tools. And then we have tools for learning, so our e-learning platform, for example. And the ecosystem allowed us to just um, recruit a person that could actually bring all these pieces together to deploy the digitally-led um, experience. And we call it at Dallinsoft the digital CSM. So, um, Selena, just double click on one thing, which is that yeah. uh, lots of questions came up after the blog post a couple of weeks ago about what the tech stack is that you use to drive low touch. So can you just walk through the actual tools that you use uh, to drive this one to many relationship communication? So you want the names, basically. You want yeah, the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the actual tools that you're using. Yeah, sure. Um, so for data, basically, our CRM is Salesforce. Then we do have, we're using Power BI right now. Um, then we have an, developed ourselves um, an analytical tools to, to monitor and measure product usage. It's uh, self-built, um, a talent soft. Uh, for marketing automation, we're using Marketo, um, Adobe. And we do have a Salesforce community as a platform for the customer community. And we are using a French solution for the surveys, my feedback. And then the e-learning platform, it's our own product. It's Talentsoft uh, Learning Tools. Awesome. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, uh, Brian, same, same question. What did your company look like when it decided to implement a digitally-led experience? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to answer it in, in two parts. Uh, the first is focusing on people and org structure, because I think it's, it's really important to focus uh, on that piece first. Uh, without the proper team in place, I mean, none of this stuff can happen. <laughs> so I'm going to start there, and then I'll, I'll kind of continue on a little bit deeper into more detail on the CS side. Um, this has been a, a journey over the last, you know, four years. It's something that we've been working towards to increase the number of customers that are in the scaled segment, right? And when you when it comes to kind of org design, we have a sales team, you know, account executives that are assigned to accounts. Okay, so we stood that organization up first for new logo acquisition. We knew that, you know, Looker is a technical BI product. And we also ran an A-B test back in, I think it was 2015. And we, we tested, do customers have stronger renewal and retention and expansion rates if there's a paid engagement versus a free engagement? And it turns out that the paid engagement actually had stronger results. People felt more invested into their success. 
So you come back to that org design bit. We have a paid professional services organization. Every customer has some form of paid services offering for the implementation. Um, and I think it's good to kind of set this, this context because when we say, you know, customer success and digital led, it's not just customer success. This is a, this is a team game here. Uh, that's the only way that you can manage thousands of customers at scale. Um, so we've gone over sales, we've gone over professional services, the other supporting organization, we have a defined support team as well. It's best in class. If you go to G2 crowds, you can get like, we're like 9.8, we're the highest rated BI vendor out there. And the reason for that is that we, we established a very rigorous support organization via live chat. And our goal was always, you know, look, Looker is a complex BI platform and we never want our customers to get stuck. That was our mantra. And so we tried to remove those roadblocks via support. So those are the supporting organizations. And I think it's important to kind of, you know, set that foundation that it's not just customer success that, you know, manages, you know, 2,900 customers uh, at scale. Um, but if we zoom into customer success for a moment, you know, <clears throat> we, we took an approach way back in the day that I bet is similar to a lot of companies out here. We assigned accounts to CSMs. Every account, every customer got a named CSM. At some point you realize though, that your customer base is growing, you know, exponentially for us. And our headcount was growing linearly relative to that. And so that meant for every 50 customers that we were bringing on board, it was another CSM, another 50 customers, another CSM, right? And we, we took that approach for a while. And that, that was probably like phase one of kind of our scale journey. And then, you know, our CFO came to us and said, you can't just keep on hiring CSMs. We've got to be more efficient. Uh, and so we decided, okay, well, we can pile on more accounts, right? That, that sounded like a great idea at the time. So the portfolios went from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 to 90. And we were like, well, sh shit, we're getting all this feedback from our CSMs. All they're doing is just hyper-reactionary. Uh, and so then we, we decided, okay, we've got to split the model and really focus our CSM resources as a collective group and put the CSMs on the accounts where we're gonna have the highest impact. And we split the model and we said, we are going to have um, CSMs that are named to a portfolio and it's gonna be trimmed down to a portfolio of less than five customer accounts. And meanwhile, this, this journey is taking place over 36 to 48 months. This is not something that happened in a quarter, right? But we introduced this named model. These CSMs are on very strategic, they're uh, large enterprise customers, very kind of enterprise change management style motions. And for everybody else, it's going into what we call our velocity program, which is our scaled portfolio of customers. And you know that that's kind of, we kind of split that model. And as you can imagine, it, it was a big shift for us because we had all of these customers that were with a named CSM. So we had to move them into the pool, which that in and of itself took about you know 12 months as a customer renewed and they passed certain health checkpoints, we moved them into the pool. We were simultaneously ramping up a new supporting organization to support this scaled motion. And that is our renewals management function. When you've got you know, 1,000, 1,500 customers that are coming up for renewal, that's a lot of paperwork you gotta process. <laughs> you know, just dot and I's and cross and T's. And we realized that if we had our light touch CSMs managing the entire renewal process, that's all they were gonna be doing. And so we introduced this new supporting function. It's renewals management. They focus on all of the renewal paperwork. And so that where does that leave our, our light touch CSMs, right? What are they focused on? They're all focused on driving license utilization, driving increased maturity of use with the outcome of retention and expansion. And you know that's all they're focused on. And while we were working on this kind of light touch motion, we were simultaneously ramping up 
we have a customer marketing team that is basically my partner in crime. You know, I'm meeting on a near daily basis with our customer marketing organization. And it was buy-in that we got from our CEO that said, you know, look, we've got a massive marketing organization that is focused on new leads. And we had zero people in the, a customer marketing uh, organization. And so we quickly ramped up hiring there to, you know, up-level all of the ways that we can interact with all of these customers at scale. And so I wish I could give a very clean answer that was like, you know, hey, at $50 million in ARR, you know, that's when we introduced it. It wasn't, it wasn't that black and white. Um, you know, this is something that we've been working towards for, you know, years now at this point. Uh, but I can confidently say, you know, at this point where we are in our kind of maturity in, in our journey, 96% of customers are now managed in a light touch motion in the pool. Uh, that represents about 70% of ARR. Um, and, you know, it's, it's thousands of customers. And so that's, that's kind of where we are today. Awesome. Um, Elizabeth uh, Curlin, who, who actually works with Selena very closely, has a question, a follow-up question for you, Brian, which is, what are your um, leading and lagging indicators for customer success managers? Yeah. Um, you know, we have lag. I'll start with lagging. Um, lagging is all of this SaaS CS metrics you would expect. Gross retention, dollar-based net retention or net dollar retention, you know, kind of the, the, the same metric. Um, and then the final one is expansion opportunities. And so CSMs are gold on, you know, driving expansion pipeline to sales. Um, those are the lagging things. The leading indicators are all of the metrics around license utilization, specific feature adoption. And we have two kind of proactive CS motions, customer success plans. And for our light touch team, these are short abbreviated customer success plans. We have a motion that we call accelerators, which are decks that are meant to be shared externally. It's an external workshop or something like that. And for a named CSM, you might have two to three hours to sit down with your project team and run through this workshop. For a light touch team, you don't have that time. And so these, these accelerators are meant to be delivered in 30 minutes or less with a key outcome delivered to the customer. And we monitor you know, all of the license utilization, the feature metrics, as I, as I mentioned, but then the closing of the RMPs, which are risk mitigation plans or customer success plans, all with the motion to either uh, reduce risk or uh, drive success for the customer. That's awesome. Uh, there is gonna be another follow-up question to, uh, and by the way, John, I saw that you raised your hand because we've got so many people live. Um, go ahead and just put your questions in the chat box. Um, I see a bunch of them coming in here. Um, Boaz, there's going to be a follow-up question that I'm going to ask after after you give your response, which is around some concerns around what happens, what's the impact to renewal rates when you switch to more of a low-touch model? I think there's some concern that when you move away from high-touch, it's going to really hurt uh, renewal rates and retention rates. Um, but before we get to that, Boaz, maybe you can, you know, same question. What did your company look like when it decided to implement a digitally-led experience? So it was fascinating to listen to um, Selena and Brian because my, my view is very similar in the way I thought about it, but very different in some of the implementation because we are in very different businesses, right? Brian is a, inherently a very high touch type product. Whereas you know, one of the realization I got walking with SMBs is that, and again, we, we walk with the S of SMBs, right? The very, very small ones most of my career was spent in high touch environments where you are selling some kind of a technology solution to a company, but really who you sell to is some expert somewhere. You're selling to sales, you're selling to IT, you're selling to marketing, you're selling to some department that has expertise in what you do. When you say to SMB, you sell to an owner of a 
coffee shop, right? They're not an expert. They, they have no departments. There is no IT, there is no finance, there is no sales, it's all the owner. So the variance in terms of their knowledge, their aptitude, their interest, the time they can spend is so large that the, the model has to be completely different. But let's put it aside. I think the first point in what it looked before and what it looked now has to do with company maturity. Every young startup needs to figure out what it doesn't know. And to do that, you have to have some combination of data, right, for, for consistency and trends, but a lot of anecdotes, right? You need to talk to people. You need to, you know, spend time with them to figure out what works and what doesn't work in your product. Only when you get enough of that can you start to scale. So I've seen very few companies that start with a scaled model, even in a, in a very, very low touch environment. You overinvest ahead of time. It's one of the best practices from VCs, right? When you start a company, invest in things that are inherently non-scalable, they will give you insight that you can then figure out how to scale, right? So we, I, I was brought into Talek about a year ago. We had about 7,000 customers because we were on the path to grow uh, you know, change the trajectory and grow much faster. We have about 11,000 customers today, a year later, and we plan to finish this year north of 30,000 customers and finish next year close to 100,000. So that, that required us to put much more emphasis on how do we grow in a scaled organization. Prior to my joining, essentially we had a support organization that took care of customers predominantly on a reactive basis. Hey, customers, if you have a problem, call us, we'll help you, right? Um, it, it was kind of equivalent to some discussion that I'm sure many of you have been to as part of the customer success community where people hate the terminology tech touch because many companies use that term, but essentially tech touch for them is no touch, right? Uh, but nobody wants to say we don't touch customers. So they put some fancy name and there's nothing behind it. For us, for me, right? All of my customers are low, you know, tech touch. So there has to be a process. There has to be a, um, a structure. So what I have done is, you know, phase one created kind of the divide and conquer of teams. We now have an onboarding team, a professional services organization that takes care of onboarding customers. It was, you know, six people a year ago. It's 34 as of this morning and growing. Next to it, there's a support organization does the same kind of re mostly reactive, but a little bit of proactive making sure that availability, stability, performance of live customers exist. I'm building now the customer management team whose focus is on program expansion, very much consistent with the way Brian talked about. We have customers, it's all lend and expand. You know, we never sell everything we have and deploy everything on phase one. So whatever we sold and whatever we deployed is the starting point. Now the program, the customer management organization in focused, is focused on more and better, right? How can I help the customers do more and do better with our solutions? More can be more of what you already bought or more can be what you bought plus some, something else. And better is I train some of your people on some of the features, let me train you more or let me help you revise and improve you know, how you do and what you do, right? So these are the three main operating teams. And next to them, there is a knowledge team because we have to be very digitally uh, enabled from an um, assets perspective, right? Training material, we launched an LMS solution, we plan to launch a, launch a, a community uh, tool, et cetera, for the purpose of arming customers with many very different 
ways of getting knowledge from us so they know how to walk and what to do in order to improve how they walk. To, to the point that um, Brian was talking about how to scale CSMs, the way I um, in the, am designing this is, you know, high touch, low touch is somewhere between, you know, single digit number of customers to low to mid high, you know, double digit number of customers. But if you really think about it, once you cross the 100 mark, or if you want to be a bit more, once you cross the 200 mark, right? If you have more than 200 customers per, per a CSM, it really doesn't matter if it's 200 or 2000, because you're not going to make any difference in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with that customer. You just don't have the bandwidth for that. So the only way you need to walk is by thinking one-to-many, many-to-many self-service. And therefore, the way we are distributing customers is not on a name base, but on a segment. So I have a CSM owning all of restaurants and I have a CSM owning all of retail, et cetera, et cetera. And over time, we plan to break this down. Not all restaurants are the same, right? A coffee shop is different from a food truck, different from a sit-down restaurant. So we will have more people designated to specific segments. They become expert in understanding customer behavior in that segment. And their operating model is a lot of analysis of what happens, right? So the CSM tool, the platform where we analyze customer data and behavior, and we see, oh, here is a segment of customers that did this, but have not done that. And I really want them to do that. Now the question is, how do I do that? Is that an email campaign, an SMS campaign, a new topic in the community that I take those customers and they talk among themselves? Is this an in-app message guidance to all of them? Whatever the playbook, and again, the, the tool stack here is very, very wide because we need different mechanisms to engage customers. Selena and I had a conversation a few weeks ago and kind of reminiscing on the fact that almost all marketing organizations are so tied into email, um, which makes sense when you think about a prospect you haven't engaged with before. You don't know anything about them. You can probably find out their email from some marketing site. That's how you engage with them. Once they become your customer, you should have way more you know, means to connect with them and you should want to be more contextual. Email is a disruption to our business, right? It never arrives when you need it, right? It's just pops up somewhere and disrupt your business. What you want is, oh, the customer is right now using that feature. They are now thinking about it. Now is the time to give them some insight. So in app or text, right? If they, they use an app on, on a phone, then I don't want to send them an email. I want to send them a text to that phone because right now they're using it. So that's the thinking that it needs to be done around what tool to use and how to deploy people. To your follow-up question around renewal. That's um, right, yeah. Um, I, I actually think that I was, up until three years ago, I was against having renewal as a separate function because I wanted the CSMs to be uh, committed to that and accountable for that. And it's changed my mind based on experience I had at um, the previous company I worked at where I found out that it's, it's actually the opposite, right? Once you have a renewal function, again, assuming you build it right and stuff it right and everything, your renewal rates will go up. Um, the notion of the CSM will work out, they will be accountable, doesn't mean they are the best in what you know, the, the task requires. Doesn't mean they have the bandwidth for it. So divide and conquer even within the team makes so much more sense. Um, where I worked before, the way we structure it is I had a renewal team that focused on understanding the needs, 
So they ran the reports. When are people supposed to renew? What's their health against the renewal status? What are the tasks, etc.? And then based on exception, when they could solve the problems and just run through the paperwork, for example, they did it wherever they saw a need for engaging the CSM, they engaged the CSM. I still held the CSMs accountable for the renewal, renewal results, but they now had a resource to do most of the work for them. And that renewal person met with the CSMs literally on a weekly basis to see, hey, six months from now, nine months from now, you know, three months from now, these companies are coming up for renewal. Here is what I see in the system, their status, what needs to happen. And that renewal person tasked the CSM. You have to start working on those customers, otherwise you won't be able to get your, your, the, the right results that you want. Don't worry, I'll take care of the paperwork, but I need you to do this work. And that combination was brilliant, super. So for everyone listening in uh, and everyone who's listening to the recording, make sure you go back and push play because the last 30 minutes has been a treasure trove of insights from honestly three of the best people in customer success right now thinking about low touch. Um, so absolutely incredible stuff. And uh, there, is a, there is one, before I switch topics and there's, there's an, a recurring theme that's coming out of this discussion already that we're gonna jump to next. But before we jump topics, there is this question about uh, at what how many accounts is too many accounts per CSM? At what point do you really, you know, is there too much pain there? And can a CSM stop doing a good job? Nick Meadow, when he commented on this, said it's it's something around 20. You know, Brian, you said maybe something around 50. Bo, as you said, it could be up to 100, maybe even 200. But what's the point where, you know what, the reality is the CSM, you know, whether it's 50 or 5,000, doesn't make a difference because the CSM isn't going to be able to deliver a great experience anyway. Um, Boaz, do you feel strongly about this? I think you just you just weighed in on this a moment ago. Yeah, I, I think it, th there isn't a number. I, I um, you know, a few years ago when SaaS started to become really prevalent, there was a big debate, you know, in the VC community, you know, what's the dollar amount that a CSM should, oh, right? $2 million was the number that people talked about. And I was looking at that and like, that number makes no sense to me, right? It depends on so many factors, right? Are you maintaining business or trying to grow the business, right? Is the, is the number existing ARR or expected total ARR? Is it just, trying to put boundaries for all companies just make no sense. Are you a high touch or low touch? Do you have the right tools or do you don't have the right tools, right? I look at my business right now, I am lacking a lot of tools. We have a big plan I'll, I'll use Selena's thing. We are hiring. If you're good, call me. Uh, we, we need people in ops. We need people in CSM. We need people in knowledge management. A year from now, we will have many more tools in our disposal. Our CSMs will be more productive. So the answer for today is different from the answer a year from now, right? I'm sure it's the same for most people. Putting a number 20 or 30 or 50 or whatever, it's so dependent on, on, on how you work. Do you have a renewal function or not? If you have a renewal function, a chunk of time is taken by someone else. You can do more, right? So I don't know how to give a number, but I can give you what are the vectors you should look at to determine the number. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and Brian, I see you posted uh, an article from Tomas at uh, Redpoint. You wanna just talk a little bit about that article and if that's something that you really uh, believe in and buy into? Uh, I I don't buy into it, but I appreciate everything that Tomash puts out. Uh, and, and he and I have had a healthy debate about this. I, I got to join a, a, a Redpoint CS roundtable, 
And this is one of the questions that came up. And, and similar to Boaz, there's not, there's not a single number. It's all going to depend on the maturity of your organization, your customer success organization, the tooling that you have available. It's going to depend on the complexity of your product. Um, you know, Looker, for instance, is very, we deploy in a hybrid manner on-prem or in the cloud. That introduces a lot of complexity, right? And so if that means that our portfolios for our named CSMs and these very large enterprise government on-prem with no access, we're basically flying blind, you're only managing two or three customers max, right? But if these are digital native type accounts, they've got a much smaller license scope in terms of number of users, their ARR thus is a little bit lower. In our scale team, you might be able to handle, and the motion that we have right now is between 20 and 30 concurrent risk mitigation or customer success plans uh, at a given time. And you know that allows us to be kind of rotational in how we work with our customers and kind of constantly be moving through the pool of customers. But that only came about based on feedback from the team and introducing other technologies that can help us scale. So you know, similar to Boaz, the number's gonna change all the time. You know, if, if you asked me, you know, four years ago, I would have given you a number and said, you know, it's between two and $3 million and somewhere between 20 and 30 accounts. It's, it's constantly shifting based on the ecosystem of immaturity of your company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this question came from, uh, looks like Zach uh, Gerlich and uh, Boaz specifically, he says he wants to catch up with you offline about this question. Um, Selena, I think you might have, a, this might be super relevant for you because you're going from one to two right now in a scaled model. So what, what, what is the pain that's causing you to say, okay, I need to go bring someone else into the team, into the company? Um, first of all, I, I th um, I'd like to say that I agree with, uh, with Brian and with Buzz. We cannot say that there is a specific number. We, need, we re really need to look at the complexity of our customers' organization, uh, the product, um, and as well, um, what we expect from the CSM team. The reason why I'm expanding my team, it's because it's not just a question of a number, um, it's because we are expanding the, the programs and activity of uh, the digital CSM, as we call it, uh, Talentsoft. So as of today, um, the, the digital CSM function objective is to scale the proximity, as I was saying before. So we have three major um, dimensions. The first one is duplicating the touch points with customers with the one-to-many approach. Um, so there are, there are a lot of programs to deploy um, in terms of onboarding, re-onboarding, the engagement. So I know these are campaigns, but it's true that I need more people that can work on, on, on these programs. It doesn't matter how many customers we would like to reach. So I agree that if it's 800 or 2000 at the end, there is no difference. Um, but then uh, what it's um, more complex is the other two dimensions, uh, which is one is the anticipation of churn. Basically what we call, or some of you might call the proactive approach. Um, there we need to, uh, we have two, we, we have two type of approaches at Talentsoft. The first one is we try to anticipate risk through um, surveys, like customer satisfaction surveys, MPS. But once you collect the feedback from customers, you need to act upon it. So that's where it counts to have more people because you need to reach out to customers. And also um, the detection of risk behaviors, um, basically when there is um, low product adoption or when there is a change of behaviors in the ticketing, the support relationship um, or uh, engagement with, uh, custom, with the marketing activity or with other uh, like customer relationship. 
customer is not reacting anymore to the calls, he's not picking up, uh, he's not answering to the emails, he's not participating anymore to events, he's not connecting anymore to the community. So when we put all these things um, in, into the same and to the same program, which is the uh, anti anticipate churn, then you need to start to have yes the one to one one to many approach but you need to combine it as well with a one to many one to sorry the one to one approach as well so what we have learned for example at talentsoft um, is that the the digital approach was not enough the digital csm could not work on its own so we uh, built a tandem um, organization with the digital CSM and what we call the digital account manager. Basically, the digital CSM is the one who's building the programs to anticipate churn and is um, duplicating the, 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 the touch points with the customer. But then when we need to have a follow-up with the one-to-one -one approach, then we rely with the digital account managers, which is a pool of, t of people as well that is just picking up the phone once we realize that there is the need of the reactive approach, basically. So that's, that's the situation and that's why I'm, I, need to, I need to expand the team. Awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and piggyback into the next question, which we had probably a dozen people asked this question before the webinar, and I've seen a couple of them so far come in, which is uh, how do you go about transitioning clients that have that are used to the high touch experience and now suddenly they're they're being moved into a low touch experience? How do you set those expectations properly so that they feel like they have a good experience? Is that a question for me, Chris? Yeah, um... yeah go, why don't you start us off with that one? Yeah, I, um, actually, I don't have much experience uh, with this. Um, I think that Brian probably has more experience than myself. But um, what I can tell you is um, probably the the transition or the it needs to be um, tackled by the reasons of this transition. Is it because the company is changing the customer relationship strategy and the customer segmentation? And did, that's the reason why we're moving the customer from high touch to uh, a low touch? Or is it the reason because the customer maybe is downsizing, is reducing the number of licenses? And, and so the angle of the communication might change mm -hmm. if it's reason one or reason two. Um, overall, I think that the communication should be um, transparent um, and uh, um, the X should be, uh, the focus should be on the benefits of the new approach that you are offering to the customer. I can share with you an experience that I recently had of one of my vendors that moved me from high touch to a low touch. And what, they what I found that was really bad done, handled, because they reach out to me by email telling me right now selena you don't have the right to have a csm anymore so here attach the pricing list oh, for no. a csm otherwise oh, no. you're moving oh, to no. low touch oh, that's no. that's really the bad approach basically <laughs> that's what you guys need to avoid oh no oh, that's bad that's it's bad. really bad i know <laughs> But that's basically the solution is here. If, if the customer is used to a high touch approach, you cannot just move it to a low touch like this. You need to actually use your high touch, your CSM to explain, to, 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 to drive the communication and to transfer the, the, the customer from an high touch experience to a digital experience. <laughs> I, I would yeah. like two, two suggestions on that point. Please. It's very common in a lot of way, places in the business to grandfather people got used to something, right? We're all changing. You know, most companies along their life cycle change pricing schemes, right? And often you grandfather the previous ones with what they already have because they're used to it. 
And as long as you are a, a, a fast growing company, it doesn't matter, right? I have 7,000 customers, I had 7,000 when they joined, I'm making changes, it doesn't matter, right? A year from now, two years from now, I will have 200,000 customers, who cares about those other seven? The same thing goes for level of service, right? If you have really customers that get used to a certain level of service, just leave them. Build a model on what you move forward, leave the existing ones, it, it will take care of, of itself. So that's point number one. The point number two is that, you know, the, the question with Daniel on, on the chat, um, the, you know, the, the experience Selena has was the, the, the perfect example of what not to do. You don't call a customer and tell them you reduce the level of service. You call them and say, I have a better level of service for you. The same level of knowledge, less touch, less time from you, less meeting. Hey, we're all working remote. We can do things better. Here are all the new tools I have for you, right? That's how you introduce it, right? I haven't, you, you don't need to log into a face-to-face -face training anymore and, you know, time and stuff. Here's a learning management system. We created the content for you. You can take it five times at your leisure. And by the way, share it with your friends, right? It's more, not less. And the more is in the mechanism that we want it, which is more scaled as opposed to one-to-one. -one. It's almost common sense, right? It's, you don't need to be a customer success expert for this. <laughs> uh, Brian, we'd love to hear your perspective uh, if you have anything to add, but I also have another question for you too. For, for me or for, for you? For Boaz? Yeah, for you. No, oh, for you. Okay. But I, God, the, the, the soundbite of you, Boaz, it's just so good. Like I just put that on repeat, like just like let that sink in. As you are moving customers from a one-to-one -one motion, it should not be that you're taking the service level down or away. You're supplementing it in a different way. You're giving the choice to users, the choice to watch videos on YouTube, the choice to use a learning management system, the choice to engage with a CSM if they want to. And, you know, as it's, it's like, you know, as you bring down the number of accounts in a CSM's portfolio, you simultaneously got to be ramping up your digital experience. Uh, and, it, and it, you, you, you know, if you just rip, you know, resources away, God, Selena, I would have like PTSD from that experience of yours. I would just turn from that account, to be honest. I have very high expectations of my vendors. Uh, but no, so, so there are a couple of things I want, said, I want to... What you just said, Brian, right? If you enable customers more, for example, a learning management system or, or whatever, and they don't use it, that's not their problem, it's yours. You know what yeah. you gave doesn't work, give something else. But exactly. The, 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 the point is not how can I minimize service, it's how do I optimize results. And if the customers don't buy into what you offer, then fix it, change it, do something different. Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, God, that's so good. But like on that point, Boaz, um, the benefit of digital channels is the data and the listening posts that each one of those channels sends off. If you create a new digital course, you can see the registrations. You can see who completes the courses. You get access and visibility into all the different mechanisms. If you put out a YouTube video, that's a 30, uh, a 30 minute video that you want all of your onboarding customers to go through. At what point are they dropping off? YouTube has that data, like all of that stuff is sitting there. And so it's, it's the motion of offering choice to users with the learning channel that resonates best for them. Some people that we've seen in our customer base, they want an email and they just want text and they're very docs heavy. Send me the docs and I'm good to go. And these people have implemented Looker previously and they have experience and they're like, dude, just leave me alone. I don't want to talk to a CSM. I just need the docs and I'm good to go. There's no need for us to get involved there. Um, but there are other customers that want more that one-to-one -one experience. And we can offer that if they choose that, that path. 
the, the one thing that I just want to call out that I think is really important, and I think it popped up somewhere in the chat, before any of these changes happen and you start to migrate customers, you need to do an internal campaign. And you need to educate all of the other teams why this change is happening, what are the benefits, and how you're going to offer choice to these users and these customers, and how the service level actually is going to increase. Instead of access to one CSM, you're going to have access to a number of CSMs as a team. And the, every team needs to understand in the old world, we worked with, you know, hey, just punt the issue to the CSM, they'll figure it out. What happens when that CSM is not there? Who does professional services collaborate with? Who does support collaborate with? What does that motion look like? There needs to be a lot of internal enablement that happens in order for something like this to be successful. Um, and I wanna make sure it doesn't go unstated because it was, it, you know, you have to get buy-in from leadership even, department leaders of other divisions to say, Yes, professional services saying this is a great change that we we see the benefit. It's going to help us scale, and it, it'll help across the board. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, as you're going through this transition, it should not be, oh, we decided on Q1 we're going to move all of our customers under 50k into scale. Then we're going to send an email. Sorry, Selena, but like it sounds like this was your experience. You know, you can pay for a CSM if you get it. No, I mean, wait for a natural point in their life cycle to make that transition. And for us, when we did this, we tried to do it when we were. Uh-oh, we might've lost Brian mid-sentence uh, mid there. Uh, Smaller, because there were, one, there was just fewer cut. Am I, am I back? Yeah, so you, you cut off for a second. We can hear you now. Oh, oh okay. Uh, but but we basically used the, the, the breaking point of the renewal to say, hey, this customer has gotten value and we know that they are ready to sign on for another year. We've checked all the boxes from the CSM and you know, now we're ready to transition them into scaled. And we positioned it with very positive language. We said, hey customer, you're graduating, right? I as a CSM, I can't do much more. You're using the, the product in a mature manner. Your license utilization is high. You just signed for, up for a new year. We've got all these different offerings to support you. Like congratulations, you got to the next phase of maturity. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so we've got five minutes left. I'm gonna try to squeeze in one more quick question if we can. This is a question that came up a lot amongst customer success leaders, which is um, given that the tech touch, low touch, whatever you're calling it, uh, uh, program tends to utilize things like webinars, community forums, in-app messaging, email, um, what does customer success own and what does marketing own? And Selena, you, because you come from marketing, I, I really want to hear from you first. Yeah, actually, um, we own everything because we're in marketing. So right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actually, that's that's one of the choices that we have taken. So basically, when we have built the customer experience team, we put it close to marketing operations and sales operation because we knew that there, there was the technology and the expertise, um, which facilitated the job for me because in this way, I could hire somebody, Elisabeth cohen Corland, who's actually an expert about customer relationships. So I brought into marketing somebody that had high-touch experience, somebody that understood the customer pain points that could talk to customer and have asked her, now let's scale proximity, let's industrialize this customer relationship. And actually, as of today, it's successful because we do have like all the people and all the tools uh, that are working 
for her. Now, what though the, the suggestion that I might give if uh, for those that are actually building uh, from scratch a team um, with a digitally led um, engagement approach is to think about operations because it's true that it's working for us because we do have an existing team and we do have the processes in place and the and the people in place, but. Sometimes there could be a conflict in terms of priorities. Um, we can move things around because our sponsor is the CEO of the company and it's helping us um, to actually get things um, done and, uh, and put in place. But the truth is that we discussed this with Boas as well together, having an operations that it's um, under uh, the CSM, uh, the CSM scope and under the CSM team, it's probably making things happening faster. Maybe another way to think about it, the, the conversation that Selena and I had you know, a few weeks ago, if you think about the, the lower touch you go, the closer you become into marketing, if nothing else in the, the, way, to, the way you walk, right? It's less about relation, the, the CSM job is less about relationship management, one-on-one, -on -one, understanding mentally who they are connecting, and it's more digitally led you know, reports data, insights, and based on that one-to-many, which is campaign, which is kind of the way marketing works, right? Marketing works by and large, less about individuals and more, more about, you know, segments and, and you know, one-to-many. So when I think about building a model for scaled CSMs, the profile of people I look for in those CSMs are less of those high-touch people and more marketing-oriented, right? The, the profile of a, of, a, of a good CSM for, for the model is kind of a, a mixture of data science and marketing background with a customer success hat, right? They want to engage, they're passionate about customers. But the, the operating model is very marketing in, in, in essence, right? So we're looking for people with that kind of background. Well, so I just have one thing to, to add there. You, you mentioned uh, data science. The importance of data can like, I, I mean, it is just so critical to all of this being successful. I mean, not only are you trying to analyze the customer base and the trends and the usage and the health of thousands of customers, or in the case of Boaz, you might have tens of thousands of customers, but as you introduce new digital channels, as I've mentioned previously, they're spitting out data. So you need to understand what are the leading metrics that are coming back from your webinar attendance? What does that tell you? Does your webinar attendance actually translate into higher license utilization or retention. You need to be able to do that analysis. Um, and then you can start to understand what are the key behaviors in the product that a tech touch customer needs to be exhibiting in order to show higher retention and expansion rates. For instance, for us, when we did this exercise and we went through and started to you know, jot down all of our hypotheses, you know, what are the behaviors that a customer needs to exhibit in order to renew and expand? That was our big challenge. And we threw out a lot of different hypotheses from a cross-functional working team and we said, Hmm, like maybe if they have a lot of support tickets, that's a negative sign. We actually found that it, the customers that were engaging with our support team had 12% higher dollar-based net retention than those customers that were silent. And that meant for us, that's a key behavior that we've got to hit on in the webinar, in app, in email campaigns, in every digital channel we offer, because we know those customers that are going to support actually lead to higher lifetime value. And so data is, is the central theme to all of this that makes all of this happen. <laughs> yeah, so Sarah Buccino is leading uh, the customer success management uh, in my team and she's building 
um, customer success management organization, right? Individual people that will work with those segments. But even before hiring her second CSM, she hired a, um, a essentially a data analyst, data scientist for you know digital insights because those CSMs cannot be effective without really good understanding of the data. So in, a, in, in terms of priority of hiring, that is even more important than you know, individual people to drive actions. All right, well, I think we're, we're just about a time. I wanna say a huge thank you on behalf of the community, Selena, Brian, Buss, thank you for joining us and sharing your experiences, incredible insights today. We actually didn't get a chance to answer a bunch of the questions, so we'll do our best in our follow-up post to post some of those questions and maybe we can get Brian, Selena and Boaz's eyes on those to maybe do some quick responses if we didn't get to answer your question. So thank you so much, all, the three of you for joining. Uh, awesome experience here. Uh, Nufsed is going to be uh, in our next post and webinar, we're gonna be tackling something similar to data, right? We're gonna be talking about CS ops and how to think about building up and maturing CS ops functions. We met with a lot of companies that are doing some really interesting things on the ops side of things, which we will share as well with the community. And with that, I wanna thank everyone for joining and participating. This webinar again will be, has been recorded and will be hosted no later than Monday of next week. That's it, thank thanks you. everyone. You're awesome, Chris. Thanks everybody. Thank, thank you, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye everybody. Cheers.